Welcome to another episode of BVI Buzz. A lot has happened since our last episode with COVID-19 making headlines around the world. The BVI, its economy, and its small businesses have taken a hit just two and a half years after the devastating effects of Hurricane Irma and Maria. Especially hard hit is the tourism sector. In part one of my interview with Ms. Shana Smith, who's interim chairman of the BVI Chamber of Commerce and Hotel Association, BVICCHA for short, we discussed the chamber and its role as a release of small businesses. We also discussed the effects of COVID-19 on the BVI small business market, as well as the chamber being a proactive voice of business as it advocates on behalf of small businesses to government and other stakeholders. I hope this is educational and well informative to you. So welcome to another episode of BVI Buzz. With me today is Miss Shana Smith, who is currently the interim chairman of the BVI CCHA, which is the BVI Chamber of Commerce and Hotel Association, which I might add is one of her many hats. And this is the one we will be focusing on today. I'll probably have her back again at some point to talk about one of her other hats, but today we'll focus on her role as the interim chairman of the BVI Chamber of Commerce and Hotel Association. So welcome, Shana, to BVI Buzz. Thank you, Gary. Happy to be here. Thanks. So we're going to jump right into this interview. Um, for those listening who may not be familiar with the BVI Chamber of Commerce and Hotel Association, um, what is this, what is it exactly, and then what is its role as it relates to small businesses in the BVI? Okay, so the BVI Chamber of Commerce and Hotel Association is a nonprofit organization, and essentially we're the lobbyist group for businesses as far as the business sector. So any kind of business, whether you're self-employed up until large companies, you can become a member. You can also become a member if you are other nonprofit organization that has business interests or industry organizations. So for example, the Marine Association and the Virgin Islands Architect and Engineer Association are what we consider to be allied members of the association. We've been around for 50 years. So the association was formed in uh, 1969. And it's also important to mention that we're actually a hybrid organization of sorts because typically you would see a chamber of commerce separately to a hotel association. But back then when the organization was formed, the two entities were merged. So we have a kind of a dual focus, even though, you know, hospitality, uh, uh, the industry is a part of the overall economy. So, you know, we're, we're interested in all types of industry and um, sizes of business as part of our mandate. Okay. So you don't, so you necessarily don't have to be a specific business. You can be a nonprofit as well and be a member of the chamber. Yeah. So if, if you are a, a similar nonprofit organization and your focus is around, you know, business or, or trade, we, you can also become a member of the association. Okay. And being a member of the association, what are some of the benefits that a, a small business can see as being a member of the chamber? Well, the vision of the chamber is to be a proactive voice of the business sector and a driving force of economic development for our country. 
And what that essentially means for us is that we're focusing on how we educate, equip, and empower the business sector to be successful and to grow. Because if, if businesses grow, because they are the building blocks and the backbone of the economy, then obviously we'll have social economic growth within the country. So our three lanes that we, we, we drive in, so to speak, are <laughs> advocacy, uh, resources, and connection. So on the advocacy side, again, as I mentioned, we're a lobbyist group. So what we do is we represent the interests of businesses to the relevant stakeholders. So whether it's a government or maybe, you know, the banking sector or insurance um, on different matters in terms of the ease of doing business. So, for example, with government, you know, we, we address issues around, you know, new legislation. Uh, for example, one of the more recent ones was consumer protection. We were given the opportunity to review it with our membership and give feedback. Um, we're also able to actually propose uh, new legislation that might be needed to help support, you know, the business sector. Uh, we look at things like, let's say, with the payroll tax scheme. One of the recent things that we had actually written into the premier about was clarification around the requirements of a trade license. Mm -hmm. um, and just as a quick example, let's say, for example, you know, I want to open a spa and the requirements, you know, you fulfill the basic requirements, but then they may ask, you know, where's my, my therapist certification? And as a business owner, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to be the one that's going to deliver the services that, you know, my, my business model might be that I'm going to hire employees. Right. Now, if the person, that business owner is actually self-employed, of course, then they would need to be licensed. So what we want to, to start to have the government look at is the necessary licensing structure that needs to go in place, separate and apart from the trade license process. Because, you know, business models of yesterday are not necessarily the same today and they're continually evolving. So these are the things that need to be taken into account as far as what's happening there. And another recent issue that was addressed was around um, the interpretation of the payroll tax scheme and the tax exemption. So, for example, again, if you're a business owner, but you have a full time job, um, what's currently being practiced is that you're not allowed to get the 10000 payroll tax exemption on your salary from mm. your business, right? Because you, you, it supposedly only applies to the, the job. And our understanding is that it should be in both instances. Otherwise, so that you're saying to me, you're penalizing me as a business owner that because I own a business, but I don't necessarily just work in that business, which, you know, it, it, it means that people are versatile enough to do those right. things. Right. Again, because you're the business owner, you have employees, so you don't have to work in your business and you're still able to use your your skill set elsewhere. So we're hoping to get um, clarification on those things where we're working behind the scenes on top of everything else that's going on with the current pandemic response um, and th that being resources. We, we are doing things like um, business uh, training and development series. Obviously, now it's gone virtual. <laughs> So, but we're, we're interested in providing, especially startup business owners, the necessary skill set and knowledge to effectively, you know, operate their businesses. So, uh, I will uh, just mention one or two, but we can talk about it a bit later in terms of the webinars that we're going to be doing, you know, will be on um, financial management. We're going to look at employee management, you know, how, how you 
your understanding of the labor code and how to apply it okay. to your business and things like that nature. And then with the connection, some of the things that we're looking at, um, we've had, we had just kick-started actually our business after our socials to encourage networking at the beginning of the year. Uh, hopefully we'll resume that soon. We launched a new website last year and that allows for us to have a, a member's information center and that helps our businesses to also interact um, amongst each other in terms of promoting business to business and we are putting out things um informational sessions we call them chamber talk round table so we'll be having more of those in the future the first one we had was just answering persons questions around the pandemic response you know what okay. what should they do as a business person you know in terms of you know responding to that so and we're also one of the big things i'm excited about actually that's coming on stream very shortly is our members discount program okay so we're talking to our members about offering discounts to each other so if you're a member of the chamber and you're able to present your membership certificate you know a, you'll get a discount on whatever the services or products that that particular member business is also offering and um able to apply that and also a key thing that we had launched probably several years ago that persons are not well aware of but it is very important is our multi-employer pension plan mm -hmm. now the labor code of 2010 requires that every employer offers a pension plan to its employees their contribution is optional but as an employer you have a responsibility now under the law that you provide this so that persons have some type of retirement planning mechanism. So what we did as an organization is basically put in place the structure because you know this can get very technical because of the financial services legislation and how right. these things are done. And um, this allows you now as a member of the chamber to enroll in the, the multi-employer pension plan, but you create your own program for your business and how you want that structured in terms of the rules around it. And it's managed by Pension Management uh, Interactive, PMI. They partnered with us on this. And um, it's, it's there. So there are quite a few things that we have ramped up uh, recent times uh, that so to give value to our members. Right. That's one of the important things for us, right? Uh, apart from advocacy, which is the intangible but very important part, we also want to give value for membership through some tangible um, items, especially things around saving cost. You know, operating costs of a business in the BVI are astronomical in some places, especially for small business um, in certain industries. So these are the types of, of things that we are looking at to, to help bring value to membership. So as you said before, I think one of the great benefits of the Chamber is the ability to work as one organization advocating on behalf of your small business members. I couldn't imagine a small business attempting to navigate the legal and regulatory requirements in starting some businesses and doing this alone. I can see this being a benefit of being a member of the chamber. One of the additional things that I like that you mentioned is the inter-member networking and discount program. Um, I see this making members being aware of products and services other members may have that they may not be aware of that could be benefit to them. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it's through through areas like our, our business directory that's on our website. Because again, as a member now, you may not have your own website, but you're able to have a presence 
on the internet through the business directory of the chamber because you are allowed uh, basic profile, you can upgrade it and, and be able to have, you know, whether it's pictures of your business or, you know, advertising um, all in one, you know, through your membership. So they're, they're quite a, a they seem small, but they're, they're definitely things, again, from a small business perspective right. that they make uh, a big impact for them. So we're, we're constantly, you know, promoting these actions as far as what we have, hoping that people, more people will continue to get on board as they see the value of the chamber that we can bring to their business. So very good. Very good. So as far as the chamber is concerned and COVID-19, um, what plans have you said you've had to adjust um, in regards to COVID-19 regarding your vision for the year and plans that you've had for the new year uh, moving forward? What adjustments you've had to make? Well, you know, just like every business in the BVI has had to do over the past uh, four to six weeks, we definitely had to go back to the drawing board. You know, I recall writing in my uh, New Year's message this year that, you know, we're hopeful for a good year, being that, you know, it's a new decade in the 21st century, as well as the fact that we're coming off of a recovery from the 2017 hurricanes. And, you know, a lot of people, I believe, were thinking positively. We were looking forward to launching a lot of new initiatives, some of which I've already mentioned. And we had to look at, you know, how, how are we going to continue to operate, knowing that most of our revenue comes from our membership dues. So obviously, if our, our members have been impacted negatively um, with the economic downturn, that's going to also affect us. True. So we, we have had to basically pivot, um, not necessarily from the plans and the goals that we had, because we, we are still going forward with the business training and development series. I, you know, I mentioned about that. And we've added to it now, you know, in terms of the focus saying that not just talking about leadership, but we're going to have one that's going to talk about leadership in crisis. And that's going to be facilitated by one of our local CEOs here. Uh, also looking at business continuity planning, because, you know, even though we're in the middle of a disaster, we still have to keep our eye on the Atlantic, knowing that, you know, we live in a hurricane zone as well as an earthquake. So, you know, we have to make sure our businesses are staying ready uh, as it relates to a business continuity plan. Make sure that they have those in place. They've tested it and they're they're ready to go, particularly for the hurricane scenario. Because one of the things that we need, we want to raise more education and awareness around is that, you know, disasters aren't just about hurricanes. But now we've learned, you know, we add pandemic to that pile. We live in a earthquake zone. So we also have to make sure that that scenario is included in our business continuity plan, which is simply saying, you know, if something happens, whether it's a hurricane or it's a fire or it's a flood, how will you continue to operate your business? True. And this would mitigate business failure because this is one of the things, again, we learned from the hurricanes of 2017 that, you know, businesses can fail large and small if they, we don't have a plan. Because if you're, you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So we're, partnering with the disaster of, um, department, sorry, of disaster management, along with a regional project called Arise. It's a United Nations initiative Okay. Uh, coming out of the Disaster Risk Reduction Office. And we, we locally, as far as our jurisdictions, we're one of the facilitators for that program. So we want to make sure our business sector is, is ready to go, um, prepared and ready to go 
as it relates to that. So we're continuing to try to find, you know, innovative ideas in terms of how we continue to support and, and service our membership and the wider business community as a whole. And, you know, keep talking. <laughs> right. Because, yeah, you know, being that proactive voice, we, we can't react. We can't wait until something happens. And that's one of the key things that I tell my team all the time. We have to constantly keep our eye out on the horizon and, and be thinking about, you know, what about this? What about that? What's going to be the plan if this develops? Because this is a global issue we're facing right now. And it's not just about what we do here domestically, but we have to look at, you know, how things are evolving regionally as well as internationally and adjust our plans accordingly to to match the, the global situation. And that's the that's the big thing about this pandemic is like nobody none of us who is here has been around a pandemic. The last one they said was in nineteen eighteen. So mm-hmm. nobody has a guide to kind of to say how to navigate uh, this world today, and especially in the technology world. Back then, you don't have that technology as it was today, so it's kind of yeah. hard to figure out now. Okay, how do you navigate? So you're tr- well, I, I- right about that. Yeah, and I, I think one of the key things, too, that's going to ensure a positive outcome um, is, is one of the things that the World Health Organization has been talking about in terms of global solidarity, that all the countries um, try to work as together as much as possible on their responses in terms of, you know, with coordinating and looking at what's in the best interest of the collective rather than just necessarily locally. Everybody has, yes, their nuances on their national levels, but in order for their, because of globalization over the last 10, 20 years, you can't do it alone. True. You know, you, you have no choice. The, the global economy is so interwoven now that it's going to be hard for one person to say they're going to pull away and do their own thing and think that they're not going to be affected by what's happening you know, just just an ocean over, or even you know, completely on the opposite side. So those those are some of the things we're we're looking at. You know, supply chain disruption, and even how we do more regional trade and and developing regionally our, our economies and what what that means for making ourselves more um, sustainable. I would say in our development. And, and I think that's something that we're going to have to look at because um, one of the things I want to talk about um, later on, but I'll touch here a little bit, is um, kind of the food supply. Um, uh, I mean, in the U.S., we've already seen some um, areas where the food supply is being interrupted, talking about meat being low in some areas and some other areas. And I was listening to another podcast um, last week where they were talking about the the global supply, the global food supply, and how it's affecting everything, and then how a lot of countries now are not, um, the exports are not happening as fast as before, so a lot of nations now are having to source stuff locally, like called local sourcing. So mm-hmm. I see that's something that we're going to have to um, address. I mean, we I see it now, a lot of people looking at trying to grow their own food now, trying to figure out, okay, let me see if I can grow food because we don't know, we don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. We don't know the effects. I, things are trickling in here and there, as you said, from the food supply. We don't know if we're going to have interruptions. So you don't want to be unaware or ill prepared if something like that does affect your food supply. Yeah, 
and and again that's something where from a sustainable development standpoint needs to be addressed with or without a pandemic because again the reality is that these things could be disrupted at any time True. based on anything because let's say for example you have a local outbreak you know in a particular country so it's not a pandemic but you have a, a localized situation, but because they supply the world, then everybody is affected. If there is no, no, like a 99% dependence, which is in our case for our food, for goods, for construction material. And, um, you know, how, what is our contingency plan? Cause I think what's important here and it, it speaks and connects back to what I was saying with, in terms of business continuity, if we, scale that up to a national level, what is the continuity plan for the country? Mm-hmm. You know, if we know that these are the things that can possibly happen and they're happening all the time because, you know, when, when we hear them speak about, I think it's South Korea's response to the pandemic, they talk about lessons that they learned from SARS a few years ago. Yep. So again, for them, that was a national epidemic that didn't necessarily span the globe, but they, they would have had some type of contingency plan in place or, or more so than others because they've had to deal with epidemics in the past. And in, in, a, in a way, we've done that here locally because when I think about where we have outbreaks of chikungunya, of dengue, of um, what was the other one? <laughs> the, um, Zika. Okay. Those, those things are considered to be epidemic when they do come on in terms of seasonality of things. And we would have had to have a healthy emergency response. Granted, it would have been on a smaller scale and it's, it's, it's not as dominant, I would say, in people's minds. But it is something where from a national uh, planning level that we have to start to look seriously at those things. Economic diversification is a key thing for us also at the Chamber. So much so that one of our part of our response has been to pull together an economic think tank that is going to start some discussions around what is the economic strategy need to be to diversify our economy? You know, how are we going to, to basically build the industry of agriculture and of fishing? So we know that industries don't just pop up because of legislation, but that it is businesses that have to be started and developed to eventually create these industries that will contribute to the economy on a much larger scale. All right. Right. So we're going to be looking at um, having, you know, again, education and awareness through um, webinars, through roundtables, reaching out to those persons that are currently in that industry as far as our farmers and our fishermen. Um, I've already initiated our conversation with the Department of Agriculture and Fisheries to say, you know, we need to, to come together and start to collaborate. Some, of, You know, these are some of the ideas that we have in terms of how we get this um initiated and and facilitate a process of of making it a reality because you know even if you don't get to that place of export and you know if that's not the objective that's fine but as we're saying self-sustainability is going to be very key going forward that one you're able to feed yourself in case of a crisis and two it actually fosters a healthier population because you know here it is you're gonna buy food and that's organically grown, which basically just means that it's 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 better and healthier for us if we grow it for ourselves and we know that we can control the whole process around it and not you know reduce that risk. 
Right. Uh, that is when you have food recalls because, again, we don't know what's happening on the other side of the, the world um, before we actually receive the shipments of the of the products. So I think that's, um, that's going to be very key as part of using this crisis as an opportunity to ramp up our sustainable development conversations and, more importantly, to strategize and actually have plans in place that start to bring the outcomes that we've always been speaking about. And I, th- I think with these plans, because some of these plans we've had from before, but it seems like um, nothing has been in action. That's one of my personal mental frustration, I think, is like I've, mm-hmm. I've heard people talk about different things, like we've had plans, we've had agricultural plan for years. It seems like it's, I, I hate to say this, but sometimes we always act after the fact, like as opposed yeah. to, prevention um, yeah reactive reactive yeah reactive as opposed to proactive support reactive so and sometimes that costs you more in resources it it costs you more in time and people so mm-hmm. i think we need to kind of like have these plans in place uh, these long-term plans i think yeah that would help definitely. us overall definitely now, yeah we, we are big big lot big and um in terms of lobbying for that you know, twenty-year plan for the country, because again, as a business business owner, you want to have a sense of what it is that the government, you know, the direction in which they're taking the country, and we can plan in response to that. Um, in addition to giving our input in terms of, you know, these are the opportunities that we see as as the business sector that can drive the economy forward, because as economy grows. The government then obviously is going to intake more government revenue, tax revenue or fees, and they'll be able to do more things in terms of developing the the social services side of the country's development. So your health and your education sector, um, the physical infrastructure, whether it be our roads or ports of entries, because all of these are things that support the business sector. So everything works hand in hand. And therefore, again, it needs to be a, a collaborative effort in terms of how how we strategize around our economy um, in response to the pandemic, you know, in response to even still from the hurricanes, we need to get on with our recovery plan and get ourselves back on the road of development and and have the contingency plans there in the event of anything going forward and, and learning from others because this is another thing where we shouldn't just wait until something happens, which is what you're saying in terms yeah. of being reactive. But that we know that, you know, you have the possibility of a pandemic. So there's nothing wrong with saying let's have a, a plan that we can scale and adapt in the event of something. Because, you know, we're, we're, we're not sheltered anymore. Exactly. It's true. <laughs> you know, somebody can get up tomorrow morning and from in China and be in the BVI by the next morning. Doesn't take long. So, yeah. So the reality is that if there is something going on in China, in terms of a health emergency or anything, that we can be affected and we can be affected very, very quickly. So this is a good point actually to segue in regards to your advocacy role for the chamber. And as far as it relates to advocating on behalf of your members on the government, um, I read in one of your reports that you have actually did submit some ideas for the business. Actually, let me backtrack a little bit into um, what happened around March, May 3rd, uh, was announced that 33 businesses were closed 
uh, about 683 people were laid off, and 72 businesses were terminated due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, going back to what I said, I think the chamber sent some items for review to the government. Um, there were five things, and I'll have you talk about them. The first one was the outstanding payments due, unemployment benefit, small business loans and or grants, and deferred or tax payments on public utilities. I heard about that actually yesterday, and the premier talked about something that's coming as in front of his um, part two mm -hmm. stimulus, and delivery of public services. Um, first off, in regards to the items that you submitted, um, have the chamber received a response from these submissions to the government that was submitted? Okay, so what we did in, in response to the pandemic emergency, we pulled together a business task force that consisted of different business owners across the various industries. And we put together a situation report. So exactly, you know, what was going on across the marine sector, across hospitality, construction, um, you know, we had persons that were there that were taxi operators um, and the like, you know, so we get a sense of what's happening. And we also made sure that we got Sister Island representation and got feedback from Just Van Lake, Virgin Water, as well as Anigata in terms of what was happening on the ground. So we consolidated all our information together, put it to the um, Premier's office as it relates to, you know, this is the current situation. And then these are some of the recommendations that we got directly from the business owners as it relates to what's needed um, for urgent action. And yeah, we went through that, the list of, that was the first letter. Subsequent to that one, uh, we also updated when we had gotten um, the announcements around the reopening and some of the concerns that we had there. And we had also put forward that we would like to be a part of the economic and fiscal task force so that their business perspective is a part of the decision-making process sure. because we found that it's important for there to be um, that input at the front end rather than in reaction to a statement that's made after the fact. And it, it helps everything work a lot smoother because things like, you know, we need time as a business that if there are new requirements that are going to be mandated, we're able to say, you know, give us 24 hours so we can put these things in place. And this is right. how we would recommend these things work. So uh, that was one of the things in our subsequent letter that we, we put out there and asked about and ensuring that, you know, we working hand in hand and, and more collaboratively. So third letter I actually just sent off this week and that was in response specifically to the hotels and restaurants. We had industry meetings with those two areas and you know, we're asking again, what's needed in order for you to get back up and running? Um, granted that we know the opening of borders to visitors would also be a part of facilitating that, but we realize that that's a decision for, for the down the road. But the protocols now that were being developed regionally, we were a part of the Caribbean Hotel and Tourism Association, and they are part of a task force that includes the Caribbean Public Health Agency. Um, and they've been discussing, you know, how do you safely open up the hospitality industries again? So we've also presented those. We've gotten feedback specifically on the protocols thus far from the 
chief medical officer. Okay. Uh, we, we haven't had a formal response to any other letters from the premier's office, but we have seen where, you know, consideration has been taken with some of the measures. Obviously, until the actual plan um, is presented in terms of economic relief, we'll have to wait uh, for that next week. I believe the premier said he will give more information yeah. on the 28th. Um, and I, I, for me, we consider that to be truly the the economic response. The items that happened before, those things were more towards the pandemic response, and you know, making sure that the the country is still able to operate at a, a minimal level. But as it pertains to, you know, business survival, right. basically that's where we are now, Gary. We're <laughs> we're in survival mode, and over the next you know month or two. Again, businesses are going to see, you know, what makes sense for them, whether it's to continue to su- try to survive, because again, this is how people are able to feed themselves in, in some cases. So, and then they have employees. So then right. it's not just them that they're, that's being dependent on, they, you know, other people are connected to that business that they know that their, you know, their decisions affect lives, not just for themselves, but for, for their employees and their families that we'll see what happens. So uh, persons are very anxious still to hear. We've made uh, adjustments in our operations wherever we have need to. In some cases, again, persons have had to close the business because without revenue coming in, it doesn't make sense to continue to accumulate expenses. So at some point you have to stop the hemorrhaging and say, okay, let's wait and see and you know, assess the situation until you're able to say, okay, we can open back up you know, maybe at 50%, 60% and survive until things start to wrap back up. Um, again, again, all of this is dependent on the global situation. So because our, our visitors are coming out of the markets that have been heavily hit by the pandemic, they've been heavily hit by unemployment. That's the other thing. So even after people are healthy, you have a situation where people don't have vacation money. Right, right. So... It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be be lining to the airports um, and we're back to business as usual for the for the next season, which for us starts in November. So there's a lot of things that we have to continue to monitor over the next uh, three months as it relates to specifically that industry and how travel resumes. Um, we'd also like to hear more information around what's the comprehensive health response uh, strategy going to be in terms of are we going to do testing of visitors, um both domestic as well as as international because our people as businesses we have interests elsewhere that we may need to travel for you know so how is that going to work because i can't travel out for business and then come home and quarantine necessarily for 14 right, days depending yeah. on the type of business that i have so that's going to be some of the questions we're going to be posing in the coming days as far as it relates to you know essential business travel what's going to be the protocol around that so that again we can start to plan because i i think what's important is information is given in advance so that we can formulate our plans in response to that and know what it is to expect you know so we're we're disappointed with the delay um with this rollout and i'm sure we'll we'll get the reasoning behind of it uh as far as why it it may have taken so long but you know anything given um as far as the support because you know i'm hearing some people talk about you know businesses looking for a handout and that's not necessarily the case people have to understand again coming out of the hurricane 
2017, everybody was flat on their back. Right. So whatever savings you would have had in your businesses or personally would have been exhausted trying to get yourself back up. So here it is, you know, we're expecting to be able to be in a position now to start to grow again and rebuild our savings and rebuild these things. And, you know, a, a global pandemic pandemic shows up. So that's the reality in terms of how dynamic the situation is. People t- tend to look at it in terms of black and white, but it's very much multicolored. And, you know, there's reasoning behind of certain things. So there are those that are more vulnerable, uh, especially our self-employed persons um, and those in the hospitality sector specifically that are dependent on external revenue to be able to operate. So we're, we're going to continue to keep the focus around that and also keep it in people's mind that we have a land-based and a sea-based economy because in some of the um, statements, you know, we had to bring to their attention that you have we have a marine sector and they are being affected. So whatever, when we're planning for land-based businesses, we have to also think about the marine businesses and, and what's essential to them to be able to operate. Because at the time of the lockdown, you had about 100 charter boats that basically had the lockdown too. Wow. Yeah. And when there was that period of time for persons to be able to restock because the lockdown was extended, consideration wasn't taken for them. So, you know, we had to, we brought that up to the attention of the the task force team and said, hey, you know, (laughs) we got another part of the economy out there floating that that needs to also be able to come in and get groceries, um, you know, and address issues that may have arisen on the boats uh, in the last two weeks and, and make sure too that, they have urgent actions that need to be taken as it relates to, you know, when the season is typically over, boats don't necessarily stay here because of hurricane season and insurance requirements. So, again, how do they travel back to their home base? Yeah, yeah and, and, and not be in the region. So, you know, it's, it, we're, we're liaising with um, the Marine Association of the BBI. Um, a bit, I had recent conversations actually with their vice chairman, Andrew Ball. So, you know, we're making sure we're, we're keeping offering on the pulse of, of what's happening um, as, as things are going on and feeding back to the necessary stakeholders, you know, as it relates to the decisions that are being made around, you know, the protocols that are being put in place or, you know, statements that are being um, issued to, to make sure that that, that information is, is readily available. Because the one thing I believe in is an informed decision-making. Because even now, there was a survey that was done by the Premier's office. And we would like to see, you know, what was the report saying in terms of, again, updating this information. You know, how many businesses were affected, um, the level of which they were affected, the amount of Yeah, and, and what's happening there. So it's important that we get the statistics um, out there so again we can plan accordingly to what what it is that can happen so you know the, uh, to the question of whether or not things could get worse i mean again it goes back to what's happening globally because if the global situation improves but then it regresses because you have another wave of the disease in the community you know again it affects those areas that we we have to, um, that we depend on. So when it goes back again to the supply chain, so not just food, but if we're bringing in construction material 
and you have an outbreak in a community and that goes into lockdown, which means the businesses there that supply construction material to the BVI go into lockdown. Right. Then it means that we can't get the supplies that we need. So it, it, it impacts everything across the board um, currently. And it, it, it's something that I'm encouraging all business owners based on your industry, making sure that you're keeping an eye on, you know, what's happening out there so that you, you have enough time to, you know, adjust where you need to in your supply chain to ensure that you're able to to get, get what's needed here on the ground. So, you know, thankfully we're still able to receive cargo because that, that's definitely a necessity right now. Um, cause we're, we're, again, we import everything for all survival here. True. And I get, and I guess that's why May 28th is going to be a big day in the BVI because as you talk about a lot of businesses going to be listening to hear what's in this plan and how it's going to affect them. And it has to be something where they feel, even if they have to feel comfortable with the information coming through, because even if it's not something that they're getting tangible right away, if they feel that what they're hearing is not going to be beneficial to them, this has an effect on the community overall and f- figuring out, as you said, businesses, people figuring out, am I going to continue my business? Am I going to move forward based on what I heard? Uh, do, does this give me confidence in moving forward? So, I think that's going to be a big deal for the businesses, and so the government mm-hmm. has a big, um, has a big, a big task. yeah, <laughs> ahead of them. Big task, because yeah. you have to balance that, but you also you don't want to make your economy crumble. You don't want small businesses to just fall off, feeling like okay, I'm just going to close my business because what I'm hearing, I'm not going to move forward with. So it's a big task. So hopefully, yeah. what's bring, brought forward on the 28th is beneficial for these businesses that are at a standstill right now and as, as you said on a survival um mm-hmm. status right now whether or not they're gonna close their doors or move forward yeah and and that that is so true because the, in terms of the substance of it um we saw where the leader of the opposition put forward a proposal is what i would call it um you know there would still be more details in order for that to be like an action plan, there would obviously have to be more details as to work through on it. So what we're looking for or we're expecting from the government is in terms of a substantive um, plan that lays out, you know, these are the actions that are going to be taken. You know, these are the costs in terms of this is what government will have to do. For us as a business sector, if there there's, a contribution on our side, you know, we don't mind because again, we need to all pitch in and help right. ourselves in terms of getting our country back on track. So, but it, it needs to be very uh, substantive in terms of explaining, you know, what it is we're getting on to the business of doing and to not just address the short term, well, not even the short term, I would more so say the immediate term because things like economic relief, whether it's a grant or waiver on the taxes for 90 days you know that those those are welcome things and those are kind of like the immediate things to help with cash flow because again the idea is that we're trying to minimize our expenses while we we, you know we we relaunch our revenue businesses start to get back up to speed because the other dynamic in this again is this is why persons being unemployed is such a big deal your customers are your employees true so if i have had 
what, what was the figure you quoted? 683, 683 people later. Yep. Um, so Those are terminated. They will obviously get severance. But again, they're going to be managing that very closely because you still have to keep a roof over your head, food on your table. So you're going to be focusing on what your necessities are and not necessarily luxuries. So as a result, you know, different um, businesses in the retail industry, especially, are going to be affected in terms of seeing, you know, they, they, they see a drop in revenue. Even though, you know, everything is open, we have enough hours to operate, but, you know, persons don't have the level of disposable income, if they have an income, to do. So the the how the economy is managed over the next three months is going to be very important. Very, yeah. Very, very important. We can't stress that enough because there are so many things going on as far as, okay, so what is the plan for the unemployed? And that is why we, we, we made the suggestion and the recommendation about the unemployment insurance. So again, even if it's something where it's just uh, a fund is established in terms of for this emergency, we give people three months opportunity to try to be re-employed um give grants or low interest loans to businesses so that they can continue to employ people because what you don't want is again when a business closes it's not just that business owner that's affected it's a ripple effect it affects, yeah it, it goes straight through you know because businesses provide good services employment tax revenue as well as community service so there is no area that will not be impacted when a business um, of any size. Because again, it, you know, the first thing that goes is whatever service or good they were providing, you're no longer able to get that. And you have to go to someplace else, you know, and employment goes. So then, you know, that's another percentage of the workforce that, that's not in effect. And people don't have jobs, they're not able to buy food, they're not able to, to pay rent. You know, they're not able to pay their car loans. That's that. That's an issue. So we're we're not looking at it just from profit profitability at this standpoint. I can assure people that's not the case. This is this is really about survival, survival mode for yeah. these, next, these next these next three months, um, and then from there, seeing how we get to the end of the year, and because and, sorry, there's ahead. so much going on. And I mean, some of these reports, the numbers that I quoted. Um, I don't even think touches the the magnitude of the effect. Cause I, I saw another number that says that we could have another three thousand plus jobs in the tourism industry affected if things don't start getting better um, for the BVI. So, on top of the numbers that I quoted, another mm -hmm. to add another three thousand people out of the job. That's 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 a big deal. That's something that's affecting everything as you talked about. So. Yeah. We, yeah. we that have... number sounds a bit high, though. Okay. <laughs> I don't know um, specifically what businesses that would be for three thousand people to be affected. Because again, like the, the all the hotels, those are basically they they suspended operations um, within the first month. So it, it's really looking at the um, operators around, or I should say, the businesses that, that are supported by cruise tourism, okay, um, as well as rest. Um, your water sports and and so forth. So yeah, the number will go up. I don't know. Three, three thousand. Well, ho ho hopefully, it's honestly. not that number. I'm, I'm with <laughs> you. Hope, again, hopefully, it's any, not. <laughs> hopefully, it's not that number. And the, but the thing is, again, it could be that many people affected. Is what I would say. So I wouldn't discount it. But what I would say is, like, let's say for example, again, you have 
a single income family. So you have one person that's working, but then you have three or four people that are dependent on that one income. So if that income goes, it's five people that are being five lives that are being affected. So it's it's, it's again when we we see when we go in, go down into the the weeds, we realize that the problem is bigger than just the surface of all right. So seventy two people were laid off, but if that seventy two people times five, right. you know that's a major number. That's true. So we we have to again be thinking, but yeah, definitely we need to get the that that last survey so we can uh, better understand what it is we're dealing with and plan, because we will have to now update our recovery plan, um, in terms of our recovery planning. So we have already the recovery and development plan that came as a result of the hurricanes, and now we have to look at you know what is the recovery plan going to be for the country as it relates to the result of the the, pan, the results of the pandemic a lot of things a lot of things to in this upcoming week we hope to get some kind of direction for moving forward yeah this concludes part one of a conversation with miss shana smith interim chairman of the bvi chamber of commerce and hotel association where we discussed the bvi chamber of commerce and Hotel Association and its role as it relates to small businesses in the BVI. We also discussed the benefits of being a member of the Chamber, its advocacy role related to government and other stakeholders, the effects of COVID-19 on small businesses, and awaiting government's stimulus response. Stay tuned as we continue the conversation and touch on some other topics such as innovation and diversification of the economy. And thank you for tuning in to BVI Buzz.